We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. Well, welcome to E.C. Sinkowski to our group. Like I said, perhaps the most highly requested and most anticipated guest. Awesome. E.C. Thank you. Has been in this space a very long time. I think E.C. is the smartest person I know. I think, I've, I think I've told you that, but you truly are. <clears throat> and Thank you. Very, uh, you know, inspiring from an entrepreneurial standpoint as well. Something that I, all of you guys have probably seen from, from the outside over the last two or three years with the 800 gram challenge and, and more so, but just not only an expert in nutrition, but very similar to everything we discuss on a weekly basis. Uh, I think an expert at keeping it simple, if you look at her, Social media, Sim, you're by yourself in your room. All right, there we go. Mask is coming off. He's in India. I don't know what the rules are in India. Yeah, uh, everyone's at my place got COVID, so I have to wear a mask at home. <laughs> oh, really? Gotcha. Um, so anyway, EC, the way we typically do this is these guys are going to have a lot of questions for you, I'm sure, today. This guy, Federico, you can't, shaking his head, he's in Italy. He will, he always wraps it up with a really complex question. So be prepared. <laughs> um, I know Jason has posted in the group and a lot of people, how many of you have done the 800 gram challenge already? One, two, but I know you did the 400 gram challenge, Jason, like me, I uh, scaled it. That's all right. So again, I, I think I've told you this EC, but it, you know, 800 gram challenge really impacted me. I'm not eating as many vegetables these days, but when I was doing macros and even if I was losing weight and feeling good, I realized I needed to make a change to be healthier. Turns out fruits and vegetables are a part of health. And um, yeah. 800 gram challenge, having EC as a resource was a, was a really big eye opener to me to have less cinnamon toast crunch and more broccoli. And I appreciate that. So, awesome. EC, anything you want to kick off with, or you want to go directly into the Q and A? Um, whatever is best for the group. Just thank you for having me on, and thank you for the kind words. <laughs> I don't agree with all of them, but thank you so much. <laughs> They're true. They are true. I, I think I've told you this, but especially when I was, you know, just getting on staff and your flow master and giving feedback. One of the other people that I consider very smart in my life is my sister. And you two are, you remind me very much of one another and your deliberate methodical approach to a lot of things. So I, very uh, cool. Thank you. you are equally intelligent and nerve wracking to be around at times, <laughs> but it was well worth it. Who virtual hands, how, you know, I know not all of you have figured that out yet, but um, virtual hands or hands up. And I know, I'm going to kick off with Jason since you had posted in the group earlier while everyone else gets situated. There we go, Jason. Sounds good. Uh, how you doing, EC? Uh, hey. Love the podcast, by the way. Uh, oh, cool. Wrote, Thank you. I wrote this down just so I didn't screw it up that much. So um, when we talk about quality of foods, our gold standard is usually minimally processed whole foods. Um, as a nutrition coach with limited education, I have my precision nutrition level one. Um, it can sometimes be hard to distinguish fact from fiction, especially when it seems like every company personality and ideology has PhDs and research behind them. Uh, my question is regards into the argument of which is generally better organic. And we can even lump in GMOs with that as well versus conventionally grown or raised. Assuming all basics are covered, for example, you're eating a diet of minimally processed whole foods at levels that support exercise and not body fat, where do you, and Jason, I'd like to hear you as well, stand on organic foods and some tips for sorting out fact from fiction? Yeah, um, I actually don't think it matters. I think once you already have a baseline level of quality, you're eating adequate protein 
and you're doing both of those within the context of having your overall calories controlled, choices like organic and grass-fed and GMO and frozen and fresh don't matter. The next step for me would be, you know, especially what are their goals, but I'm going to assume we're talking to a CrossFit population. Let me see your training. How hard are you training? You know, I got to look at that. How's your sleep going? Um, how's the stress in life? That's where I'm going to go next before any of these really, really detailed approaches to nutrition. And I actually just recorded a pod, it's kind of a two series podcast on uh, animal versus plant-based to include the carnivore diet, Jason. <laughs> Wait, is that out yet? Is this episode it's out? not out yet? It's not out yet. Don't worry. <laughs> it's coming. But, um, you know, one of the things that I discussed in the carnivore diet, there's some research by Dr. Bruce Ames. And he actually is someone who has researched um, mutagenic chemicals for so long, like how chemicals that cause mutations and possibly cancer. And his belief is that people should be eating more fruits and vegetables to reduce their risk of cancer and cardiovascular disease and mortality, even if they are conventionally grown. And I'll, I talk about that a little bit more in depth in the podcast, but I agree with him. I mean, he's the big brain oh, compared to me for sure. I agree with him for sure. And I think a lot of these details, people do not have the first three things that I said, adequate quality, enough protein within that, and then total quantity con controlled. Awesome. Thank you so much, EC. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I agree with everything EC puts out there, which is primarily, why are you majoring in the minors? And I think totally. for, for too many people, it's not just that you don't need to, but it's truly becomes the obstacle to doing the important things. Like if I don't eat right or time, I'm sorry, not eat right, but if I don't time my food or if I don't get this, what's the point of doing all of it? And then it's just way more layers than most people need. No, coaching is coaching, I think, regardless if it's nutrition or fitness. Yeah, now, with that being said, EC, if someone is doing most of these things right, if not all of them. At what point do you say, okay, it is time to visit organic versus non-organic or grass-raised versus not grass-raised? I don't. I, I, I believe in supporting those products for other reasons. I love supporting local. I love supporting small businesses, right? <laughs> I can uh, understand that plight quite well. I think from an environmental perspective, from a nutrient um, quality of just our environment and maybe what the crops look like downrange for us, um, even pollution from these types of systems, I think that's really interesting. I'm, I'm less concerned about the exposures that we're facing from them. Now, do I want you to go stand in a vat of pesticides? No, <laughs> don't do that. But I think there's still some of the minor things for us to be looking at. In fact, the way that our de detoxification works, you know, you're gonna wanna have the nutrients and fruits and vegetables to help detoxify some of those pesticide-like chemicals. And you're already getting some of those exposures just by living in modern environment and also eating other foods like processed chips or pizza or whatever, right? So we gotta make sure that we're focusing on the best defenses that we have. Um, and I don't know that, like I said, once you have those other defenses in place, I'm ever gonna really address that. Although I certainly, like I said, have other reasons to support those, those businesses. What? has been your experience that the craziest kind of like fine detail is if someone's like grass fed or is it, has there been like, you know, should I do this crazy obscure, like nuancey thing when they're not even doing, you know, not eating whole foods. Oh man. I might have to think about that. I'm sure it'll come to me if I keep thinking about it. It's typically something very extreme. Um, you know, it's typically like, I'm never, I'm only going to do the one meal a day thing. Right. Or I'm only going to eat. Have you heard of the potato hack diet? I actually did it. <laughs> you only eat boiled white potatoes for three to five days. Um, just stuff like that. And I did it for a very specific reason. Uh, kind of bore the point of doing it but yeah it's just stuff like that so you and did that I, for only potatoes I did. yeah i did it for i think five days um how'd that and go it, you know what to, to be expected very boring um you can eat as many boiled white potatoes as you want but you know after a while you're just not hungry for white potatoes but i kind of did it for that reason to re to kind of that idea of 
you know, like kind of hunger signaling, like, am I really hungry to eat type of thing? And I think it is interesting that that's something that people aren't really hungry all the time and they snack on things. That's getting down a rabbit hole. But yeah, there's something that's very extreme like that when somebody hasn't done some of the basics, those are the weird ones for sure. But potatoes count towards 800 grams, right? So you're still able to hit sure your 800 do. grams. <laughs> they sure do. I did that years ago, um, years ago, but they do count as long as they're not French fries. Yeah, that's like the Twinkie diet. Right? Yeah, there yeah. we go. There we go. Yep. All right, so Federico, you're going to try that, right? Where's there he is. Oh, you're going to try the potato diet? Please don't Ellie? try that. Please don't try that. <laughs> Ryan, I see you with your hand up. Yeah, so just a quick question, EC. What do you consider kind of an adequate amount of protein as a general rule? Yeah. Yeah. The number I basically put out there as kind of the baseline, sort of similar to an 800 gram number for fruits and veggies is 0.7 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And that's generally current body weight. If somebody has 25, 30 pounds plus to lose, I would use target because it's not going to be sustainable. And the reason I choose that protein target, normally my recommendations are often from the weight, health, and fit, fitness perspectives. I rarely choose just one. And that's like the 800 gram challenge has weight, health, and fitness benefits. And so same thing with that protein target. It's in line with research that's protective of sarcopenia, the natural loss of muscle mass as we age. It's also in line with research for where we can sustain muscle mass where we're, when we're in a caloric deficit. And it's also in line with research of where we can maximize muscle mass with resistance training for non-bodybuilding professional athletes. Um, and then finally, I find that it's actually sustainable. You know, I've tried higher protein intakes myself, and I don't find that they're very sustainable. So if I can't do it, um, I, I have a hard time recommending it to other people. Do you find that that's one of the biggest mistakes people are making when they get started not getting enough protein? Yeah, um, definitely if I had to paint with a broad brush with, with more so with women, yeah, more so with women for sure. Um, and yeah, essentially most problems in our diets come from too many carbs and fat. <laughs> and so, yeah, one of the things that we do to lower those carbs and fat is add more fruits and veggies, as you know, and then the other, by increasing the protein, we kind of push down the carbs and fat as well. So it just becomes another strategy to get the same, the same end point. Kind of on topic, but off topic. I think one of the best things, I mean, obviously you're a long time, you're still involved in CrossFit, right? You still go to Roots and and you're just not on staff, but that doesn't mean you're, I mean, I see your workouts, you're doing more CrossFit in your kitchen than most people are doing. <laughs> but one of the best things that happen to CrossFit is the games. And one is one of the worst things to happen is the games. Would you, that from a performance and training perspective, but would you agree that part of that is also nutrition? Like, well, Matt Frazier does X or Tia does mm -hmm. this. So I need to, and cool. They also like you mentioned earlier, sleep and recover and, and do all of these other things. Do people see what the best are doing and assume they need to do it in, is in nutrition as well as training? Yeah, I love that question. Um, there's a lot of things for those top level athletes I put in the worth a shot bucket. You know, supplements are a big one. I don't recommend supplements. If I was like the fittest in the world, I would try everything under the sun that was legal. <laughs> You know, if I get the placebo effect, if I get the 10 seconds off of my mile time, it's worth it. For most people, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't come anywhere close to what they're going to get return on investment by just working out harder. I also think we can never underestimate not just the genetic potential, but the hard work for years that these athletes have, have put in that Tia could eat a lot of interesting things and still be a phenomenal athlete, right? Like she has trained and trained at such a high level for so long that she could go vegan probably, you know, and I'm not against veganism. I'm just saying that like she could do something more extreme and still beat me in every single workout that came up, right? So like, we also have to know that just because we see an athlete doing something that we can't discount all of their athletic abilities and training volume and years and time to date that has gotten them there, you know? If you had to tell us as a group, what's most important, nutrition, sleep, stress, or fitness, hmm. which order would you keep or get rid of? For what? For overall long-term health? 
Yes. Nutrition. Yeah. Most important. Yeah. So if someone said I'm getting three hours of sleep, maybe not too extreme, but you know, I'm not, I'm not sleeping enough six hours and I'm not eating right. You would say focus on nutrition first. I would, you know, there's some interest. What's difficult about those kind of best discussions is that there's always the effect of the other thing on each other, right? So when somebody's tired, they're more likely to make poor nutrition choices. Yeah, that's very <laughs> so maybe when they have a clearer mind and they feel rested and they're not like craving the chocolate bar, I can actually get them to eat the apple. So I want them to get nutrition as like their baseline focus, but I might actually do that through another means. And I, and that's where we even see things like how exercise like CrossFit can be the foot in the door for someone then to address nutrition. Right. And, and so there's always this interplay that we can't forget between these items. It's kind of like triage, right? You yelling chest up is only going to do so much if their knees are going in. Correct. I, I like, yeah, I ordered Tony's chocolate bars. I'm doing carnivore plus peanut butter and chocolate. And, um, and I found them on Amazon and I woke up the other day and there was a half eaten one and Roz is up during the night. I'm like, you're not hungry. I don't mind that you ate my chocolate bar, the best, the pretzel one, the one I was looking most forward to, but <laughs> I don't mind at all. It doesn't sound like it now, <laughs> but um, yeah, she's like, yeah, you know, it is when you're tired, you think you're hungry and you're right. Sometimes they, they often play off of one another. Let's go to Tony UP. Hey, EC, thanks for coming. Um, Mike, I don't really have a question per se. I do, but it's not like a serious one. But I just wanted to give you a shout out. Um, I've been doing the lazy macros for a while, and I kind of throw that at everybody that I put through the intro um, and seen a lot of really good results for my members. Oh, cool. um, it's easy. It's simple. They can do it. Um, and like some really good results. I actually, you might have just sent an email to one of them, Michelle Miller. She did like oh, 279 yeah. days in a row tracking. So she's yeah. found some really good results from that. Um, so I guess awesome. my question then is Mayo or Miracle Whip? <laughs> oh man, I would probably go with Mayo. I think I go with Mayo. Although I don't know that I'm, I, I eat a ton of either, but yeah, I think Mayo, <laughs> but that's awesome. Thank you. I'm glad it's been helpful. Yeah. For yeah, those on awesome. here, can you explain lazy macros to them in case they want to give it a go? Yeah. Sure. So I've got the 800 gram challenge, 800 grams by weight of fruits and veggies of your choice. And then the next step from that is to add that protein target, which I just mentioned is 0.7 grams per pound of body weight. And so the combination of doing that, the combination of eating the fruits and veggies, and then also hitting the protein target is what I've dubbed lazy macros. Now, the name isn't totally accurate because when we do the 800 grams of fruits and veggies, we don't really have a carbohydrate target, right? We're actually just kind of hitting a volume of fruits and veggies that are in the carb genre. <laughs> and then with the protein, of course, we do have a macros target. But what I find is that often, although it's definitely not a perfect system, it's still an approximation system, is that when we have those two checkpoints in the diet, kind of the underrepresented items in the diet, people don't have as much room for the things that they tend to overeat. So quantity tends to fall in line, although it's certainly not perfect. People still might need to get more specific and more dialed in with macros if they're not seeing the results they want. Yeah, but it's a great but, jumping off point for, for many people. Yeah. Yeah. And my whole philosophy with nutrition is, is find the minimum effective dose. What's the least amount of work I can do to get the results I want. And for some people that will be macros. And for some people that will be intermittent fasting, right? Like we ultimately want to find the least work <laughs> we have to do. That was sort of the whole premise with CrossFit too. Minimum effective dose for being like a really awesomely fit human, right? It wasn't about doing four hour uh, workouts every day. Yeah. And, and, like we said earlier, because people were saying, Hey, I, I can get more results, more time, but there's also a lot of downfall to that as well. And yeah, at, we all know at a certain point in training, you're not really getting much out of it. Better going out there for 30 minutes, working harder than three hours and getting this last little squeeze. What's, what is the craziest food that someone's asked as part of the 800 grams? Typically it's going to be, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's that, yeah, it's going to be the French fries or like the veggie tempura. And it's, you know, it's like, no, that's not going to count. Um, I don't think it's crazy when people ask about nuts or grains because they're plant foods. 
Um, and so I get it. It's like, well, why wouldn't they count? And they certainly can be a part of a healthy diet, but I have these visions of like, if I allowed grains and nuts that people would be eating, you know, peanut butter sandwiches and this is the <laughs> challenge. So yeah, it's, it's typically anything that, you know, if you have to ask, you typically know it's not going to be part of it, but I think French fries are a great one of that. <laughs> That's a good rule of thumb. If you have to ask no different than you guys judging the open this year, like if you're athlete, if you have to ask, you know, you're trying to cheat. Right. Christian. Hey, EC. Um, so my question was, and it's kind of broad, but you, uh, you're now like known from what I can tell known for like this 800 gram challenge and everything, nutrition, but you also kind of what Jason alluded to have like these awesome old videos from when you <laughs> um, were part of seminar staff. Um, so I was just curious, could you share with us like the journey of going from that to what you do now? Yeah. Yeah. I wish it was like a really awesome vision. And I had all of this foresight. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of that. Um, and I actually just report recorded another podcast because people often ask about becoming a health coach or nutrition coach. So that discusses it a little bit, but you know, I started my master's in nutrition without a plan. I, which sounds really embarrassing to say, but it was that I, when I was working for CrossFit, I had to do continuing education as part of being the team that was leading the accreditation effort there. And so I literally just started a master's degree because I liked nutrition. It fit with my role at CrossFit and I had to do more education. And it wasn't with the intent of, I'm going to go start a nutrition company. It was just like, this fits and works. Let's do it. Right. And, oh, and the program interests me, of course. So I started it, but of course, as that kind of went on, I was like, oh, wow, this really does interest me. And so ended up um, deciding that that was where I wanted to go. You know, with CrossFit, it, it, it was really hard to leave. Um, there's a ton of what I loved about the position and of course the program and the paradigm, but it was also professionally, I'd gotten to a point where I knew I needed a new challenge and change. Um, now, when I left, and I just also said this on another podcast I was on, I, I ended up trying out something that I ultimately don't really do much anymore. I opened up kind of a one-on-one -on -one practice and realized that I it wasn't really utilizing all of my strengths and really what I wanted to do. So I spent about a year and a half not really knowing what I was going to do. I was looking for other work. I was kind of posting on social media. I was thinking about the 800 gram challenge, but there was a lot of time of just being like, what is going on? <laughs> what am I doing? Why did I leave all that stuff? So now I'm in it and now I've got a little bit more of a vision. Um, and so I do recommend that other people kind of hopefully take more time and think through that than I did. I'm certainly happy to be where I am now, but it, it didn't come from like this, all this forethought or anything at all. <laughs> That's uh, that's crazy that you described it because I didn't anticipate that being your answer because I, I am kind of in a similar situation where I quit teaching high school math to pursue, you know, coaching and doing CrossFit. And there was like these two years where it was like, I quit to do this and I wasn't like doing this in the capacity. And now I finally like own a gym and, you know, it's okay. serious. So for you to say that was like, oh, I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> it was like two years where I was like in limbo and I'm like, uh, was this a good decision? Should I have waited? And Totally. Totally. You know, and I know there's more to it, EC, with the CrossFit stuff, but leaving, do you think, you know, like the story of burning the boats, do you think had you not left, you know, the story of burning the boats, I don't know who, who's, who was it, Tony? Uh, I forget the conqueror. I just know it from the office. Andy has his talking head about that. That was it. You're right about that. But basically they arrived somewhere and they yeah. burned the boats so they couldn't retreat. Okay. Um, so do you think had you not completely left, you would have had like one foot in the CrossFit door and had a really hard time becoming this entrepreneur that you've become? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I see that recommendation all the time of, you know, you have to kind of jump all in, you know, jump in full time to make something work. And I, I get that for sure. Um, because there is that pressure of, oh shoot, you know, what am I going to do now? I have to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. So, you know, that for a lot of you, I think, not necessarily all of you on the call, but in general, a lot of coaches are like, oh, I'll keep my full-time job and coach on the side and you'll never do it full-time. And I think I think what you're referring to, Tony, is when Andy pooped on the uh, boss's car and he was like, now I cannot be rehired. It was Cortez. <laughs> Cortez, right. But, yeah, but Andy Bernard from the mm -hmm. office. Um, what's, uh, what's the guy, the boss's name? Above David Mike? Wallace. David Wallace, yeah. 
a lot of office talk on these calls, easy. Um, That's so, awesome. Just so you know. Who else has questions aside from Federico? I know more of you do. There we go. Devin, I just like to say Federico for last. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's used to it though, so that's okay. He's very, yeah, he's used to it and he okay. always brings a great question. Devin. All right. I will try to have a better question than I did last week. Um, but that was Connor Murphy, by the way, last week. Well, you had a yeah. good question with Connor. I, I felt like I didn't, I didn't know how to ask it, you know, and it was just, we had two out of 30 nutrition clients that we were struggling with. And I think I just had to realize like, sometimes that happens. Um, but from yes. my nutrition coach, uh, I, I told her that we were going to have a call with you today. And she said, she wanted to know if you had any uh, feedback on keeping client retention and increasing engagement during nutrition challenges or one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, there's a balance there of, I hate to say this because it's going to be like, wow, EC is really just lazy. Um, I kind of go in knowing that I'm going to lose, I don't know, 30%, let's say of a nutrition challenge. Now that doesn't mean I want to lose 30%. I am still there answering questions, whatever the resources that I said I was going to provide, I am there. And if people are asking me questions and engaging, I am meeting them. Nutrition is not a hundred percent game. You are not going to have a hundred percent game in nutrition because it ultimately has so many other things at play, right? Psychology is a big one. <laughs> Lifestyle logistics, have they prioritized it? All of that stuff. And so I kind of, I don't want to say that I don't have ideas about retention. I'm going to get there, but I think you also just have to know it's not a hundred percent game. It's just not with retention and engagement. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, some of it is figuring out what works best for the clients, how they respond. What do they say? I think for nutrition challenges, and that's what I've tried to help gyms with. I don't think the system is perfect by any means. Um, but given the software that we're using, a lot of times what happens in nutrition challenges is there's all this big hubbub to kick off. Right. And then this goes on for four weeks and are you checking in with them? How is it going? Are you actually doing it? Are you leading it from the front? I think people really feed off of the leader, right. And the leader's energy. And so when I see nutrition challenges, like the person who's leading it has got to be fist bumping everybody or commenting on posts or posting their photos that they've got to be really bringing that. And that helps with the retention. I also think trying to have different lines of communication. Some people are texters, some people DM, some people email, you know, some people show up on the live calls, the more that you can do within the, re you know, within resources and budget, I get that, you know, you can't just be available constantly. I think the more, you know, you're going to get response that way. Um, but I think the last thing I would say, and it might not be as true with nutrition challenges because there's just a little bit different buy-in for that, but with the one-on-one -on -one, is not being afraid to turn people away knowing your scope and your expertise to turn people away if they're not for you. And, you know, I think that's hard and I've, I've learned better how to do it. I know for a fact that I'm not the best coach for emotional eating. I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not, I want to want to talk to you about like the studies on vitamin D and whether or not fish oil is valid and blah, blah, blah. Like that's my jam. Right. And so if somebody is like really struggling with that aspect, I don't want them to work with me, not because I don't want to help them because I want them to get results just as much as they want results. And so I think some of that intro process to figure out like, are we a good fit? Are my strengths the best for this person can also help with that retention. And ideally you'd have someone to refer people to, but ultimately just saying, Hey, like, I just don't think we're the best fit. And it's really for them just as much as it is for you. Thanks. I, I really like that answer. I think that that will help both of us out a lot. So. Oh, good. Awesome. Yeah. With that being said, have, is there, are there kind of things you pick up on pretty early on EC, like this person's going to struggle? Yes. Yes. Um, definitely if they have a history of working with nutrition coaches, um, and they're like, I've been with the last eight people, you know, as much as, and you know, I had success and now I'm back to square one. 
As much as I'd like to think I say anything revolutionary in nutrition, I don't. I tell people to eat fruits and vegetables, have protein and control their calories. You know, like <laughs> I'd love to think that it was something new that I came up with. It's not. And so what am I going to say to this person that is really going to change, right? They're still going to have to eat more broccoli and less Doritos. And so that's a big red flag for me that I've done all the things, had success, but can't have success on my own. To me, that's more of a self uh, accountability, self-worth, self-love type of behavior that we need to sort out that I can't figure out, nor am I the best coach for that. Um, I think the other one would be a lot of stress around nutrition. You can tell when people are super anxious about nutrition and like, oh my God, I'm, I'm making these choices and I don't know what's going on. And, and they just need a lot of energy and all that stuff. Again, I put that more in the emotional bucket and I'm not saying that that's not a real issue. It truly is. I'm just not the best coach for that. Like, I want to talk about like what's happening during Fran in terms of metabolic physiology, right? Like I'm just not the best coach. And so if there's a lot of nervous energy around nutrition, again, it's like, okay, I think I want that that person to work through that with somebody who's more qualified before we get to, you know, what are you having for breakfast? It was Connor last week, right guys. And he was saying, if you care, like the, the difference between how much you care and your clients is stress for both of you, mm. you know, and I having worked with a lot of people, you see the people that bounce around and, you know, they're like, I, I believe they're like, well, this way is probably a little easier than yours. So I'm going to go to this one. You know, it's always like, there's got to be an easier way, you know? And, and like EC always posts about whether it's intermittent fasting or they're keto, they're just searching for an easier, they want you to give them an answer. Like that's easy. I can do that. When in reality, they're not going to get that. That helps though, Devin. What, what do you have like a rough percentage EC of people that you expect to lose when they start a challenge? I think about 30, especially nutrition challenge run by a gym. Um, I've, I feel like I've seen enough of those numbers. I feel like 30% is not out of the ordinary to lose on a challenge. And if you had to, you, you've alluded to a few tips, but if you had to give one or two, like this would be a best practice to maintain as many of those as possible, what would be kind of the minimum effective dose? I really think it's the leader, you know, is the leader posting their score? Is the leader, you know, doing the 800 gram challenge? Are they like, whatever the, the challenge was, it's like, we're going to post every day, or I'm going to be in the Facebook group answering questions. Like, are they there? People feed off of that. Just like they're going to feed off of coming to a coach at a class. Yeah. Wow. So it turns out guys leading by example matters everywhere. Not that just whole walk in the walk thing. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, you have another question? I do real short one. Um, any books you recommend on nutrition coaching of just uh, connecting with clients? That's a great one. I normally get the books one, which I don't have a better answer for anyway. Um, I don't, I really, well, I don't. And then I'm going to blab on for a few minutes here. Um, I really did appreciate Berardi of Precision's Nutrition when I went through that circa 2010. Now I'm sure it's changed because they grew massively, all that stuff, but he really had the psychological approach, I think, well outlined. And I think, again, I don't know what it is now, but when I did it, it was the idea of getting your nutrition client to agree to something like taking a multivitamin every day. Like that was step one. And it was to get the ball rolling and to get the momentum going. Now, I actually think for many people, that's too small of a step, but I liked his approach and I think there's something to, to learn there. You know, it's like finding that ground where the client is like, yes, I'm in because that's when you're going to have success. Not like you need to do this. And they're like, I don't know. Like it's finding that ground where, where they're going to have some buy-in. And I liked him for that, for sure. That's awesome to hear. That's something I, I do with my nutrition clients, get them on that like nine to 10 out of 10 scale of Good. whatever habit we're going to do. Um, did you go totally. through the level two uh, precision nutrition course? I didn't. Um, in fact, I don't know if it was called even the level one when I did it. CrossFit and Berardi were, were talking at a period of time. And so I went through his, I got his book and all of that stuff and, and did it then. Um, and just really liked his moderate approach to things. But I never, you know, I don't even think he had his whole online platform at that time. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not well versed in all of the things that are offered now. Gotcha. Yeah. I think back in the day it was just the PN. And then when they added the right. second one, it became, you know, just like CrossFit. I had some notes that I wanted to ask you. So, you know, you, from an outside perspective, are nonstop hustling, 
You got your podcast, your social media. You're always making these new graphics. You take pictures of food. You're working out. What does a, the day in the life of an entrepreneur look like for you? <laughs> you can better answer this than I can, Jason. I just stand <laughs> here all day. You seem to be like, you know, you're doing stuff. I see you, you still go to Roots relatively often. No, I moved oh. back to Baltimore. Yeah. Are you in Baltimore now? I am. Yeah. I couldn't even, you know, that's the difference in social of... media. You don't. Publish I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I kind of, you know, my, my social media is nutrition. It's not, it's not me. It's my, it's nutrition. Right. So, um, yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, mid pandemic, nobody knows where anybody is. So <laughs> I could be in Uzbekistan and nobody would know, but yeah, I moved back to the East coast, um, day in a life. I think it's a lot like you. I probably could die in front of my computer and nobody would notice, right. These guys <laughs> would, would stop, but yeah. Um, yeah. Just a lot of computer work. It's funny. I've had people reach out to want to work with me or, and I, I love it. And it's, you know, it's an honor. Like, I want to learn what you do. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I could set up a video and you can watch me sit at a computer. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of content development, um, you know, tech support on, on products that you have out there and questions, current clients. Um, yeah. Coming up with the next social media post. Yeah. All of that stuff, but it's a lot of computer work. You know, something that I've become better at is focus and keeping the main thing the main thing. You are very, very good at that. In, you know, I've seen you say no to projects. What is something and how do you kind of, what's your governor, if you will, for like, this is an opportunity versus this distracts me from what I really want to accomplish? Mm. Now, why did you give me more credit? Yeah. You know, these guys, well, most of the people on the call are either some sort of coach or box owner or at least an entrepreneur in the fitness world. So just trying to get an idea of how someone who's successful does it so they can see it. Yeah. You know, I was just saying, I think you give me a little more credit than I deserve. I think, you know, I'm in year a little over three years here and I'm now getting a better vision of what I want to do. So I've certainly gone through lots of trial and error. And I think any gym owner, box owner is going to have to do that. There is some sort of level of, you have to kind of try a bunch of things, see what sticks because it's not only a combination of what you want to do. It's, it's nice to think of like, I want to do this thing and that's it but does that resonate with your audience and it isn't a useful product, right? So there's actually two things that really have to come into play. It's really nice to think, well, I just want to sit here and type away and everyone's going to read these really long texts about nutrition. And it turns out, you know, a lot of people aren't interested in that type of format. So there is sort of, I think, a trial and error to not only figure out where your strengths are, but then how the customers respond in, in a way that, you know, also matches with your strengths. So I don't know. I think I'm getting more confident in what I'm better at doing. <laughs> so I think it's only from trying other things that kind of keeps that focus on like, no, I really want to focus on products that make daily changes in people's lives, not necessarily, you know, just theoretical ideas about nutrition or what I would consider more superfluous. Do you think overall the 800 gram challenge has improved and changed, you know, hundreds, thousands of people's lives? I mean, obviously you think that, but do you have any data? Like how many people have, have gone through it and what's the continued success rate of it beyond doing your gym challenge or the one-on-one -on -one challenge? Yeah. So I, I, my estimates probably at least 15,000 have done it just based off of, you know, uh, social media presence. I've had over 900 gyms do some type of challenge. I've had a couple good corporate wellness challenges, et cetera. So that's awesome. Um, and that's super exciting, right? I, I, do want to mention though, that my message in nutrition is not really the 800 gram challenge, nor lazy macros, nor macros. Um, it's actually those 10 principles that I kind of came up with. My main message that I want to help people with is understanding nutrition. So they're not confused why their friend can do intermittent fasting and it can work. Why somebody can even pull off carnivore. Yes, I will agree to that. And it can work. And, um, and then why I recommend the 800 gram challenge, you know, it's, it's bringing that clarity to nutrition that I really want to help people with. You did also ask about the long-term. Um, I am trying to work on a solution that will help with long-term accountability and mo uh, motivation and community. Um, I hopefully can continue to develop that uh, as we move forward in time, but it's a difficult project, so. <laughs> what, what is your true opinion of carnivore? Mm, unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> give give, give yeah, me more, I give mean, me more. 
Yeah, I just don't know why. I, I So I, the podcast coming out, one is animal-based versus plant-based, and the next one is carnivore specifically, because I wanted to take a few of the claims from the carnivore code and look at the research under that. I don't think that going to either extreme plant-based or animal-based, and I'm going to say 100%, just so we mean like carnivore or vegan, I don't think either of them are clearly superior to a mixed animal plant-based diet in the right quantities. Now, that gets a little bit confused because people will be like, oh, they did this study with veganism compared to the standard American diet. I said, in the right quantities. <laughs> That's a key part of what I'm saying. So to me, it's a sort of like, why? You know, why put yourself in an extreme scenario when we can accomplish the same goal, if not better, in an easier way? So that's my opinion. <laughs> Sim, you're going to have to be the lookout for the episode and post it in the group, okay? Sim's our resident, well, India. He's in India and he, he does all the, all the links for us. I'll ask for oh, your information at the end. So, okay. For selfish purposes, I agree with what you're saying. If someone is enjoying it just for the black and whiteness of it, and it's not a stressor in their life like me, from a health perspective, what's your opinion? Am I going to die from cholesterol? Uh, it's impossible to say, right? Because there's so many factors, including your genetics, that will determine that outcome. Um, I think it is more risky than it needs to be. Uh, I think his claims about plant toxicity are... When you say he, you're talking about Dr. Paul Saladino. Saladino. Yeah. And only, only because I don't know of another expert who, you know, he wrote the carnivore code. I, I think he's the lead kind of guy for it. So there might be others that I've missed. Um, and even I watched his most recent episode with Savan and he's become a little bit more moderate from what I understand, um, eating more fruit and honey, which is of course interesting on, a year later. He was on Savan's yeah, podcast. Yeah. yeah. And a year later, he's closer to 15 to 30% plant-based. And I'm like, okay, we'll give him another year and maybe I've got him on the 800 gram challenge. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, I think his claims about plant toxicity are false. <laughs> That's the nicest way I can say it. Um, not founded, an incorrect interpretation of the literature and in fact doing people a disservice, which I'm not pleased about, but that's my opinion. He has his opinion. And so I don't see the necessity of it at all. I think if people will be more health protective by including them, including fiber, um, for sure, fiber, yeah. Gotcha, yeah. So when you, with your episode, is it just you or do you have Pat Cummings on there as well? Yeah, he's always my co-host. So the first one is animal versus plant-based because I just didn't want to get into the specifics of some of the carnivore stuff. I, I have seen this more animal-based movement happening, which, you know, these words plant-based and animal-based, it's hard because everybody who practices it kind of defines it how they want to define it. Right. And that's just how it goes. But it's like, what does animal-based mean? If, if animal-based means I get most of my protein from animal foods, but then I have plants surrounding that. I mean, that's sort of lazy macros, right? So it kind of gets a little bit confusing what we're talking about, but there does seem to be this animal-based movement. And then of course we know the plant-based movements that's been popular. So that's, that's the first episode. And then I take, I think it's about three of the, the main claims from the carnivore code specifically um, to kind of address with some of the science. Yeah. I'm excited to listen to that. What, what is your way of dealing with a vegetarian or a vegan, or I guess you can bump in a carnivore person knowing I, the reason I use vegetarian and vegan is it's usually a lot of like either religion or ethical beliefs, right? Where mm -hmm. for me, it's not neither of those when I eat more meat. So how do you kind of navigate that knowing they're actually potentially doing their body more harm than good, but they're doing it for reasons that, you know, they, they don't want to sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I don't deal with it because they've already made the decision on an ethical and environmental perspective. You know, I'm always arguing from the nutrition perspective, right? So it's sort of like their decision is, is now hell or high water. They're going to make the nutrition work because they've already made it based on other kind of assumptions or beliefs. And that's fine. That's their choice. You know, then the game becomes, okay, well, we have to optimize the limited context. It's the same thing with carnivore. It's like, okay, you've taken some foods off the table that I think make the puzzle easier. Okay. Well, that's your choice. I'm not going to argue that. Um, 
you know, if you ask my opinion, I'll tell you what I think. But now we have to figure out how are we going to get you to get all of the nutrients you need in the right quantities, given the foods that you will eat. And so I don't really try to argue, especially an environmental, I'm not the expert there, nor ethical, not the expert there. I just say, okay, well, that's your choice. These are the nutrients we need. These are the calories kind of, you need to hit certain calories and let's go from there. Yeah. I, I like that. I just think there's often like a, a struggle there where you have to, you know, and it's no different than training. Do you like training or do you want to be fit? And they're not always right. They're not always in balance with one another. Totally. Federico, it's time. I'm sure there'll be more questions after Federico, but let's go ahead and unmute and ask EC your question. Hi, EC. Hey. How many grams per kilogram? I'm I'm in Italy, so I don't use yeah. pound. I use kilo. Yeah. <laughs> How many grams per kilogram of lean body mass of fat would you recommend? for female mm. and male, not in order to gain weight, but in order to maintain the same yeah. weight. Yeah. I don't actually put out a fat recommendation. So what I would do with an individual is I would first, well, I'd first do the 800 gram challenge. I would then have them eat enough protein. I would then have them weigh and measure every single, single thing that they're eating. And then take that number and tweak that number until they're actually at their weight that they want to be, whether or not that's up or down. And then wherever they fall, that's the fat grams. <laughs> that's the fat grams. Now, some of that's going to be based on their food preferences. And that's why I do it this way. Like I don't buy into a low carb versus low fat camp. It's just like, if the person is naturally lower carb or lower fat camp, then it's going to shake out in their preferences and whatever. So I don't actually set numbers out of the gates for anybody. And I get people a lot who want me to tell them how many calories to eat. And I'm like, I'm not playing this game. We're going to figure out what you're eating. We're going to set some baseline metrics. And then we're going to go from there because one, that's going to be more accurate than I could ever predict based off of numbers that we get in textbooks of estimates of what it quote should be. And it's also going to account for their activity level, which varies from person to person. It's also going to account for their preferences and so on. Okay, so that's a big whatever, three minutes of just theory. I will say though, I typically don't want to see anybody who's active, CrossFit type active with fat less than 20% of their total calories. Below 25, 20%, especially it's like, what's going on? That's going to be too low. So that's a red flag for me, but I, you know, it's still going to depend if they're eating a ton of calories, maybe it shakes out. Okay. But that's a red flag for sure. Or even something close to 30 under 40 grams, 35 grams. If it's a petite female, I'm like, what's going on there. That sounds too low, but I don't like putting out hard numbers because we have all these variables out there. It's like, we got to watch it play out in the person and then make our decision of, of what's correct. Hopefully that helps. Yes. Thanks. So you said 800 grams, lazy macros. What was the next level if you were working with people? Yeah, and this is what I do in my masterclass and really what I do with one-on-one -on -one clients. But yeah, we first have them do the 800 gram challenge. Then we add on that protein target. Then we have them record everything they're eating. So it's, it's macros, but I actually haven't told them the targets. And um, I'm gonna tell you, people get a little frustrated with the process because you know when you work with other coaches, they normally tell you numbers to hit out of the gates. And so they're like going through this for maybe five, six weeks and I haven't given them calories to hit. I haven't given them the total macro splits. But what we're doing is we're establishing the baseline level of quality they need, adequate protein, and then figuring out what they're eating. I mean, there's so many variables based on genetics and like I said, activity factor that even my best estimate will be outperformed by just observing what they're eating right now. And then in combination with the fact that it'll already account with their preferences, you know, if I just tell them 40, 30, 30, but they naturally tend to be a higher carb, lower fat person, well, let's just let that play out and see what happens and then make changes based off of that baseline. Cause I can guarantee it's going to be more sustainable than me just picking numbers out of not a hat, but you know what I mean? Just off the cuff. Like I'd rather see what they're doing and then make changes from there versus me tell them what to do. And it's like this drastic disconnect. With that, how long do you try to, is it individualized how long they stay at each level? Normally it's about, well, my masterclass, it has to be on a schedule because it's a group moving through and it's a, it's two weeks per block. And, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's one of the things I talk about with my masterclass that like, I could explain all of the concepts just like I am on this call, but you know, Jason, like a lot of it with nutrition, well, training, heck, we got to have the person do the reps. 
right? And so I actually want the masterclass to be eight weeks, not because they don't understand the concept that, wow, fruits and veggies don't have much calories, but like, let's get this as a habit in the diet before we then make the, the equation more complicated. Yeah, I think the more simple you can keep it, the, uh, the longer they'll stick with it. I, I, you know, I think it'd be no different than somebody wanting to go full bore at CrossFit and you guys as coaches saying, slow down, let's move better technique versus intensity. You're going to get better intensity down the road. If you start slower, Federico, you have a follow-up. I would like to ask another another question if there's time and anyone wants to ask. Thanks for moderating Federico. Go for it. Thanks. Some years ago on the main site appeared an article about the link between very low density lipoprotein and mm -hmm. high cholesterol. What's, mm -hmm. What are your opinion on that? This is, yeah. this is why we say Federico, exactly why yeah. we say Federico. Totally. Yeah, the connection between LDL and um, high cholesterol. So one of the principles that I, I have in nutrition is that it's never one thing. And it's the same thing is true with this cholesterol picture that when you have elevated LDL cholesterol, it is a risk for heart disease. It is. It's sort of like saying having excess weight is a risk for chronic disease or smoking is a risk for lung cancer. Excess LDL is a risk for developing heart disease. Does that mean you will have heart disease or will die for heart disease? No, because it also depends on what your genetics determine, right? It also depends on other factors in your diet, whether or not you have enough anti-inflammatory foods in the diet, that type of stuff, how many other foods that you're eating. And so there's this big discussion about like, you know, whether or not the LDL cholesterol molecules should be big and fluffy or small and dense and all of this stuff. And it's like, guys, it's, it's one of many factors. Like we want to make sure that we're not eating too much and have too much excess in the diet, which is related to those cholesterol numbers. And yes, saturated fat does increase the LDL levels that is known that is accepted. And yes, that is increasing risk. Can people pull it off and still be healthy? Yes. <laughs> Just like you can have some excess weight and not, you know, not have a chronic disease it's, but it is an overall factor in that picture. And for most people, I would not try to have my LDL outside of the normal range, just because it's just like speeding on a highway. It's another risk there. I hope that's what you wanted to hear from that answer. Yes. <laughs> Do you think the, the, the ratio between monounsaturated fatty acid and polyunsaturated fatty acid will help to reduce the risk of hypercholesterolemia and, uh, and chronic mm. disease? So hypercholesterolemia some oftentimes has a genetic component for sure. Like there are people that just have super high cholesterol and that's just familial hyper. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so diet can help, but sometimes there is going to have to be the doctor intervention for that. Like there, you know, I don't like to see it when people think that there's only natural solutions to everything. Like modern medicine is amazing and we should use it when we need to use it. Right. But for people that have high cholesterol, I mean, this is why people recommend cutting back on saturated fat, because what we find in the research is that when you replace saturated fat with monounsaturated or even polyunsaturated, which people don't like to say, because that's those omega sixes, but yes, even when you replace it with polyunsaturated fats, cholesterol comes down. And does that mean that the person won't die? No, it just means that the risk has lowered. Thanks. Thanks. Let's go to Kapua. had a question about like goal setting, I guess a different angle, like um, maybe what route you go. I didn't come on the beginning of the question. So I, uh, the call, I don't know if you guys addressed it already, but so I guess in goal setting, what are some of like your factors that you look into with each individual help them find yeah. some realistic goals? Yeah. I'm going to sound really dogmatic about nutrition in the sense that I, I tend to start with the 800 gram challenge because I sort of, to me, it's such a doable volume. And I've seen so many people do it that if that's not part of the, the diet baseline, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what the person is eating. <laughs> um, and so if that's just so 800 grams, you know, is not happening with the individual it's to me, it would then be scaling that. Can we get a cup of fruit in the morning with breakfast? Can we do a banana at Starbucks, whatever it is, and kind of scale the 800 gram challenge and work up. I have worked with some other populations though, where that's not really on the table. Like I have worked with eating disorder type of situations where 
I wouldn't necessarily do that, but I would say nine times out of 10 for me, it's going to be, Hey, we got to add fruits and veggies to the diet. Let's figure out how to do it. Let's not worry about the number, but let's get you to 800 grams over time. But when I'm in another situation where that's too extreme, it's finding anything that will improve the quality in their diet or reduce the quantity. And so let's take an example. Somebody that's totally standard American diet, fast food all the time, no fruits and veggies. They're not going to eat fruits and veggies because they're just not there yet. It might be, can we stop drinking soda at dinner? And then you figure out, like we haven't, I was having a discussion about the goals thing and body and the psychology and nutrition. You figure out on a scale of one to 10, where if they feel that that's something doable for them. And the more new that they are to nutrition, the more that I want to see that at a, at a nine or a 10, I want them to be like, hell yeah, I could do that. And they're like, great, let's do it. As they advance those goals, it might feel like more like a seven, because we are going to have to stretch them a little bit, right? We are going to have to make them work for these goals. But in the beginning, you want them knocking it out of the park. And like I said, it could be drink a glass of water with breakfast. It could be take the multivitamin, but that's the art of coaching. And, and you already know that from fitness, right? You already kind of know how much do I have to push this person on the ring row versus the pull-up today, right? Like let's give them a slightly harder band today so that they actually are working at a higher level. It's the same thing with nutrition, but it's really reading them of, I want to give them something that is different, but I still have them in the game. You know, my, my, and that's probably my favorite thing about your approach is it, it's so basic, but it works, <laughs> you know, in, in, in a is. good way. In, in, no, it is. <laughs> and, I, and, and again, I think, you know, Kapua and Devin, and, you know, those of you that have done these challenges, it's like, give them these small wins. Like EC mentioned, Berardi's famous for saying, take a multivitamin, which may not be big enough, but if, if someone starts as simple as 800 gram challenge, they're, I know for me, when I did it, it was because I was still tracking them towards my macros. It was like, if I'm getting 800 grams, I'm eating far less junk. Mm -hmm. And I might've been doing more than most because I was tracking everything, but it was just a huge eye opener and they feel more full. It's like the potato diet. You're, you feel more, more full, you're more satisfied. So it's less likely. And it's a, you know, a question all of you will address at some point with your clients. Hey, I'm hungry. You know, are you really hungry? Are you bored? Are you thirsty? Are you tired? And I just want to add on to that. Like, I think my experience coaching really helped frame how I approached nutrition. And that's why I, I like to remind you all as fitness coaches, like you guys have all of those skills. You already know the scaling thing and getting by and like, it's the same thing in nutrition. It's that interpersonal, like, how do I get this person interested and want to want to come back tomorrow? Right. It's the same thing with nutrition. It's just finding the level that gives them enough of a challenge and change, but, but you'll see them the next day. All right. There's, there seems to be four more questions. I know he's yeah. got a tight no, time. Okay. Uh, no, no, we moved it slightly early. So I've got, if that's fine with you, I'm good. Okay. Kapua, did you have a follow-up or is your hand still up? I'm just going to follow up on uh, like your master's level. Mm -hmm. Is there a way like, so people have refined, um, kind of like what's, I don't know, without giving it away, I guess the master's level no, okay. part of it, but like, so the athletes who have gone through their first macros have gone through their, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're at another level and helping them to refine. All right. What are you really trying to work mm -hmm. on here? Right. So you're saying, assuming they're doing the 800 gram challenge, they're hitting their protein target, their calories, they've been tracking macros. They're at the composition that they want. What's next for them. Is that the question? Okay. Yeah. So the next two steps that I would do, assuming that I have to assume that they're an athlete, which I'm going to do for this, for this call, because you guys are all fitness coaches. The next two things I would do to optimize their nutrition is not go to organic or grass fed or whatever, but would optimize the protein intake. So protein intake, I normally recommend at the 0.7 grams. If they're a super high end athlete or doing a ton of lifting, they might bump that up to one gram per pound of body weight. I don't think that's necessary for a lot of recreational lifters, but people that are closer to regional plus games or like a bodybuilder type person, that's really pushing muscle mass. They can play with, okay, what happens at 0.8? What happens at 0.9 type of multiplier? And the next thing I would look at as the carb to fat ratio with, um, Crossfitters, they're going to want, I would say at least 40% of their calories to carbs because they're doing these high intense things that require carbohydrates, um, for maximizing performance, not to necessarily do it, but to maximize performance. And as their volume increases, the carb to fat ratio will also increase. So 
if I had to guess our games athletes, um, they're probably closer to 55 to 60% of their calories coming from carbohydrates. But again, that's not a lot of people that would be your members. That would be, you know, your top end people. Can I help the poor? Let's go Christian and then Devin. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, uh, calorie deficit. Do you have any uh, tips or strategies for applying these same principles, particularly the simplicity, the minimum effective dose, um, lazy macros to an intentional caloric surplus? An intentional caloric surplus. Okay. So tr yeah, so trying to gain weight basically. Um, not really, um, because, you know, for people that are hard gainers, it's just as hard as people that are trying to lose weight in the sense of if you're not getting results from the shorthand method, you have to become more fastidious in your tracking and the mass gain people, they, they feel the difficulty just as much as the losers, the people that want to lose weight. <laughs> that sounds really bad said that way. Um, but it's the same problem. They're trying to put on mass and they're having a hard time because they're not tracking everything and they feel so full. Now, the one thing that's easier for the gainers is they don't have hunger associated with it, but it's the same sort of math bank account balance. Um, Typically, they're going to want to try to hit a 500 calorie surplus per day and then, you know, one gram per pound of body weight. What you can do, and this is true for my people that want to lose weight, is if you have, if you're one of those people that eats on repeat, like breakfast is always this, lunch is always this, dinner is always this, that makes the math really easy because you don't actually have to weigh and measure everything every day. It's just very similar. And then the mass gain person might do that, might have the three, four meals, and then they literally do the pint of ice cream thing, you know, or like... The, the ice cream with the protein mixed in and they know, okay, I know that's 500 extra calories that gets my protein. And I'm just going to add that on every day. So that's some of the beauty of consistency is you don't have to weigh and measure everything because now you've already established those numbers. Thanks. That was uh, both helpful and consistent with what, <laughs> what I was thinking as well. Thanks. Awesome. All right. One more question back to Devin over there. So I'm, I'm seeing that getting the fruits and vegetables is, is the number one goal. How often do you find that when you recommend this 800 gram challenge that they are only eating the fruits and not eating the vegetables and just getting a lot of carbs? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say often. I actually have a lot of people that are afraid of eating fruits in the CrossFit community. Um, and I don't worry about fruit. So there's a lot of stuff that says you, people that will say that fruit has too much sugar and too many, too many carbohydrates. And I disagree with that. And so I encourage people, if I have somebody doing an 800 gram challenge and they're only eating fruit, they're going to get about, it depends what fruits they pick, but it might be about hundred to 120 grams of carbohydrates, which is not that much really. Um, and so I don't mind when people are eating a ton of fruit. Um, people unfortunately have assumed that fruit has the same effects of sugar. And it really doesn't because when you eat it in the fruit form with all the water and the fiber and the micronutrients, you just don't get the same dose that you would if you were doing it in terms of soda or cookies or pick your, pick your sugar option of choice. <laughs> good, Devin? Yep, that's good. One thing that helped me I don't know what your thoughts on it. I think you'll say if it works, it works is I would basically load up a blender in the morning with pretty close <laughs> to 800 grams of, of fruits and vegetables, spinach, banana, everything, and then just sip it throughout the day. Yeah. I saw a couple of pictures of those blenders. I was impressed. Um, I don't mind it. I, you have done so much with nutrition. I was like, okay, Jason's figured out what works for him. Right. I do see sometimes people kind of take the approach of like, I'm going to crush 800 grams at 8 a.m. and then I'm done for the day. And it's like, yeah, and you feel really sick and you're like rolling around, you know, bloated for four hours. So I prefer when people sort of just approach meals like normal meals and incorporate fruits and veggies and don't try to do this like I'm going to game the strategy or game it approach. But like I said, you've kind of dialed yourself so much with macros and, and habits that you know, again, if it works, it works for most people. I'd prefer to just sort of see, okay, when I have a meal, it's going to include two cups of fruits and veggies. <laughs> but broccoli tastes so much better when blended with peanut butter. I no comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sim, where's Sim? Is he still on here? There he is. 
Yeah, there we go. So Sim is uh, always wanting to know your email, if you're willing to share it, where they can get anything from you, your current website, your programs, Instagram, or anything you'd like to, you can tell it, Sim, Sim will take notes and post it in our group so people can reach out. Awesome. Yeah, all the handles are pretty easy. Optimize Me Nutrition for social media, website, I think I covered it. My email is ec at optimizemenutrition.com. Um, I'm happy to answer emails. I won't be able to do a lot of personal troubleshooting with you, with your diet. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to point you in the direction of something or give some general ideas. And did I cover everything? I think so. I think oh, everything. podcast is, um, the consistency project. Yeah. And, and is that, does that come out on a regular basis? When can we expect it? <laughs> It's a great question, Jason. Right now it's every 10 days. I am switching to weekly, hopefully in um, May. Yeah. Every 10 days seems harder than weekly. I know. I, I can't, I have no clue. You guys do three a week. I have no clue how you're able to do that. It's amazing. It's a lot of time with Fern. It's a lot of staying at <laughs> I was like, how are they on 400 episodes? It's like, I've done, I've been doing this for about a year of the podcast. I'm on like episode 34. <laughs> well, knowing Pat, he's an OG, by the way, you guys that don't know him, he's very busy as well. He's got a, two kids, I think. So he's always, uh, you get two busy people. Fern and I have nothing else to do. So we just I'm sure. a lot. Any, any last uh, questions before we wrap up? We good? That was super helpful, EC. I know these guys were really cool. looking forward to it. I think, like, oh, look, I see Federico. Like most, like most of the clients, I'm sure they wanted some harder answers, but I think <laughs> the answers were hard. You know, it's just simple is not always easy, but I think we all know where we need to begin. I'm going to do some reflection and think about adding 800 grams back into my life. Federico, I get them back. <laughs> I do have some fruit. I just don't necessarily tell the world that I do. But uh, I, 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 I tell you this, you know, we talk about plant toxicity. I think it's just testing. My stomach is off with certain mm -hmm. vegetables that I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. And you just have to be smart about the ones you bring back. Mm. Yeah. Federico, wrap it up for us. It's going to be fast. Do you prefer the glycemic index or the insulinic index? Neither. Neither. Okay. I want you to eat the right quantity of food and that will work out. Now to keep it brief, cause I know we're at the end here. You have to remember that the glycemic index was designed for diabetics. And what happening, what's happening now is people who are not diabetic are trying to use that for them. It's kind of like people that are trying to use continuous glucose monitors and they have normal fasting glucose. It's like, what are you doing? This, this is not for you. So it's applying the wrong tool for the job. If you have the total quantity correct, and you are somebody who's just trying to be protective of general health, fitness, et cetera, don't worry about GI or insulin response on any one specific thing. Keep it simple, Federico. All right. EC, as Jason just said, it's awkward goodbye time. And what that means is Everyone here is going to slowly unmute themselves. They're going to say something to you. Feel free to log <laughs> off at any point that it just gets to be too long. Some of these guys have nothing else going on. They stay on for minutes <laughs> on end just watching. And I will ultimately end this. But we appreciate your time and everything you brought to this. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for all the good questions. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at Best Hour of Their Day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.